Welcome to the LifeU Podcast. In this season, the Spirit is calling our church family to explore four spiritual practices, fervent prayer and worship, tending to scripture, sharing our faith stories, and serving the neighbor courageously and generously. This interview-based podcast will feature members of the St. Andrew's family, reflecting on how to cultivate a rich spiritual life that delights in the gospel message. To learn more about LifeU, go to standrews.org. And now, enjoy the conversation. Hello, St. Andrews. I am here with two very special, very humorous, very entertaining guests, Josh Carlson and Per Nestigan. Welcome, you guys. Thank you. Thank you <laughs> I know. I have, to, I have to insert at this point the clapping sound in the background. <laughs> oh, so I didn't need to do it. I got gotcha. No. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't need to be your own biggest fan, Josh. <laughs> I've got some fake fans. We well, can I was in. clapping for Pear. He was going to clap for me. But yeah, he yeah, certainly did. I going to get to it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, guys, um, just I, I know I'm sure everybody knows who you are, but just uh, give us a rundown of your uh, positions here at uh, St. Andrews. Well, I'm Pear, and I get to work with our high schoolers, but I kind of help with youth ministry in general. I help Josh out a lot with all of middle school ministry as well. And then, you know, pandemic has let me do a lot of different random things, <laughs> uh, helping with some video production, some editing, you know, things that youth directors always have to do, you know. It is kind of a Swiss army knife kind of job, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. What do you do, Josh? Um, well, I'm the middle school minister here, which is anything from our uh, Moonlight Madness, which is eight hours of outside the church fun, laser tag, um, movies, uh, that, that kind of big event, uh, as well as uh, confirmation. Um, I, I kind of head up our confirmation program. Uh, I work with our kids and volunteers uh, and leaders and high school leaders all to make confirmation as wonderful as it is. Yeah. Well, thanks guys for joining us. And, and then I think you all know that this month at life, you, it's all about like uh, telling our faith stories in ways that are both authentic and compelling. And part of me thinks that like within the world of, of kind of social media and, you know, Instagram, TikTok, it's actually all about storytelling, right? Like there's so, so much of our social media right now is about storytelling. And so part of me thinks that our youth may be like particularly well situated to teach us as like older people how to do really effective and authentic storytelling. I don't know. What do you guys think? Is that, is there something to that? Yes. There's something to that. I think I, I'm always, I, I, when I see, when I think of youth, I'm very optimistic. So I, I like your tone there. Yes, I think they can teach us a lot about storytelling. Authentic, I'm, 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 I'm thinking about that more. Is it authentic to what we're, they're, they're definitely seeing a lot of stories being told, but part of the job in youth ministry is to like, give them a thread of authenticity or, or like tie them into a bigger story than the mm. small s- snippets of information that are usually a little bit more shallow that they find all the time on the internet. But as I say that, I'm also, I think I'm wrong because <laughs> this is also the generation <laughs> that 
is probably the most authentic generation we've ever seen. So I, I think I'm just an old fuddy-duddy. Maybe I, I, I think I'm wrong. Yeah. Well, no, but there is some sense in which I think like the, the internet space around storytelling, like on Instagram and TikTok, it's highly curated. I mean, one of the amazing elements of TikTok is that you can do so much to, to edit your videos within the app itself. And so you can like do massive amounts of curation and sort of put project whatever self forward that, that you want to project. And so I, I feel the same kind of hesitation that I hear in you pair. Yeah. What about you, Josh? What do you think about? Well, I, I would agree. They're learning the art of storytelling through media like TikTok and Instagram. Um, but, but, the authenticity piece, like Pear said, that's a big part of what our job is, is tying them to a bigger story. Um, but I think there's also a lot of pressure on our kids to be older and have more story than they have so far. Um, and so they, they will try to present a story where it's like, that hasn't happened to you, you're in sixth grade. Um, you, you know, um, the, the story that you're trying to tell, you're, you're rushing you're rushing past some wonderful years of development um, and mm. trying to make the world think of you as an adult when there's so much goodness in being a youth. Um, mm. And instead, I think our culture makes kids think that they should almost be ashamed of being a kid um, mm. well, and not celebrated in that. And so uh, I, I see that, I see that reflected on TikTok and how they portray themselves as adults when really Kids are great, and they're so much fun. Uh, and hanging out with a, I'd much rather hang out with a youth at an all-nighter than a room full of 25, 26, 30-year-olds. That sounds boring. That's, and we really are. <laughs> no, that's a really cool point, Josh, because, like, there's something that happens between 7th grade and, like, 11th grade where – People get this idea that they should be cool. And if they want to be cool, it's never being a kid. No one thinks that being a kid is cool. And then when, you know, and then you and me, I think, Josh, we think being a kid is really cool. <laughs> We're trying to convince them all the time. Like, no, you're cool. Being fifth grade is really cool. <laughs> That's You guys have really opened my eyes to something there that, that they students do maybe feel this pressure to be more like adults. And I guess maybe that pressure is accentuated by social media, which maybe pushes them in that direction, huh? Yes, there's a loss of innocence much quicker. And even if they don't understand what they're seeing, you know, you think of like, you know, if, I, if you think of like the classic way to grow up, you know, you know, it's almost like adolescence was protected and being a, a kid was was good and cool. And now not only do they not have to have like those transition times with their parents in the room, they have those transition times in their own mind when they're like looking at stuff that is way more mature than they are and having to grapple with it themselves. And then they realize like, no, it's cool if I understand this and I like put this as part of my identity and I make it part of me. Yeah, it's a weird, odd pressure. Yeah. And so Josh and I, I think, spent a lot of time thinking about how do we, how do we like help them know that we understand what they're thinking about mm -hmm. and going through, and then also 
think that we they don't have to be thinking about that or going through it. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So like I think Josh, you maybe mentioned that part of your part of your job, part of your calling to these kids is to help them see their lives in light of a larger story. And I think I think we'd all agree that would be God's story, you know, the, the story of God's work in this world. How do you two kind of think about helping students imagine their own biographies in light of kind of God's larger story. I, either of you can answer. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that's a good question. How do we, how do we get kids to imagine their life in light of who has created them and how are they created? Um, I, I think it's interesting because kids are uh, often very inward focused. It's just developmentally where they are at. Um, and a big part of how we do that is we get them practicing looking outward. Um, how, do I, how do I see my story as a part of the world? Well, when I spend 80% of my time fixated on my own insecurities, um, my own shortcomings, the things I want to be, um, part of what we do is get them to look outward and say, how are you connected to this person who you are meeting for the first time? How are you connected to these people who you've never met uh, all the way across the globe? Um, it's just, it's conditioning some outward looking. Uh, uh, that, that would be my answer. Popcorn pear. Well, also, Josh, what you do in confirmation is you're, you're always presenting the old stories. You love the Old Testament more than any other part of the Bible when you're going to be teaching something. And you do a really good job at making that very, you know, it's not even a question about, is it relatable? It's, it's you know, you, you tell those stories as if they are happening currently. And, you know, I don't know if the kids understand that yet or if they understand it necessarily every time you teach it. But, you know, that is, again, part of tying into that story is, okay, what is Ezra saying today? Isaiah, who, who is the prophet of now? You know, we're going through, it's not that we have a lack of big stories to unfold in today's world. There's some huge stuff going on. And I think the, you know, the stories of the Bible inform what we can think about it. So it's, it's, that's the fun part. Then I don't know. It's, there's something that happened, like the power of knowing the story definitely helps kids translate what is happening to them in school the next day, if we do it well. Mm-hmm. 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 What would you well, say? Is, yeah, go ahead, Josh. Go off yeah. of that. Yeah. Well, just, I mean, Per, as you said that, it, it, and, and we get them thinking about, okay, so this is happening in school, but but the story that I read, it, in some ways it feels like it was written for me. Um, I think that's one often one of our goals, that kids read stories and they see themselves in it, or they think, um, this is speaking to me in such a way, it's like it was written for me to hear right now at this time. Um, and Per, you, you, I think that's one of the gifts we both have as storytellers in the way that we the way that we make it real for the kids. Um, yeah. So I wonder if there's a lesson there, yeah, from both of you to, to parents or grandparents or just other people who work with adults that one of the skills we need to work on is telling the biblical stories in such a way that I guess kids can feel like they 
maybe see themselves in it or that they some that it somehow is alive right now and is not just some ancient story that they're reading is that fair kind of insight to take from your comments mm -hmm. yeah and then also you know a lot of the heroes in the story are like 16 years old so there's not much of a imagination you need to say hey teenager this Bible isn't relatable to you. No, teenager, this Bible was written as you and the main character. All of the disciples are your age. Mary's your age. David, your age. Like, what else do you need? But we, we you know, we, we talk about these guys as if they're like 55 and angry. These, all the characters in the Bible are 12 <laughs> to like 20, and they're just wondering what the heck is going on. <laughs> That's such a great comment. So in some ways, we're, yeah, we like there. We are creating obstacles for ourselves that actually don't exist. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm picturing a Bible movie um, with with the cast of uh, Breakfast Club. Like as you were saying that, that's just what I was thinking. Is the cast of Breakfast Club does a Bible movie? Totally. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, you think you're like. Oh, man, people, you know, it's written, I think a lot of times people's perception of the Bible is like the language it's written in. And so as if you're going to be the one that's telling the story, and then there's also this fear, right, that you're going to be a heretic if you write, if you rewrite the Bible story in your own words, which is exactly how the Bible was, it came to be anyway. So then if you're brave enough to just like rewrite the Bible you know, retell each parable as if it was written today. That's, I think that's almost like the point of the Bible, but people are so scared, you know, they have to read it as it's written. And then you start, you know, if you're in eighth grade and you start listening to those words, you're like, I don't know. I don't know what this dude's talking about. Cause they told stories differently. They use different words when they translated it. It's just not. So the relevance, if you're shackled by the relevance of the way it was written, mm. you're not shackled by the story. Hmm. that's really I think, insightful i think some of the beauty in retelling these stories is uh, you, you know speaking a language people uh kids especially are understanding and then bringing in some exact words um like and 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 that, that's just one of the ways i love to emphasize a point is when you get to the story of jacob and esau you, you can you can ad lib a lot and then you get to um isaac's blessing and use the exact words. Um, and it just shows like, this is how much that mattered. Um, and so even within storytelling and language, there's just so much you can do using modern storytelling ability and stuff that has been written for us. Mm -hmm. What, what do you guys do? Or how do you guys think about helping students kind of learn to think about or even talk about their own faith stories? Like, what are some of the challenges there? What are some ways that you've learned to invite students into talking about their own faith? Um, I have a real concrete example of an of a event that we have done, um, if it's all right if I go first pair. Um, it's actually called Faith Sharing Night. It's something we do at camp. Um, and, and the idea is we, we pick a certain theme for the week. It could be hope. It could be, um, you know, uh, adventure, questions. 
and we just take that theme and give a prompt that's along the lines of um, how has God's how how has your life interacted with this idea, um, this idea of questions, this idea of hope? Where has God been in that? And then we just sit back and invite kids to stand up and share where they've seen God and hope throughout their life. Um, and it's uh, it, it normally runs for. Th- two to three hours because kids just want to keep sharing and sharing and sharing. And so the prompt is really important because some years it's really good and really wonderful. Um, and some years, uh, it's not. Um, and, uh, but, but that would just be one, one event that we do that just invites kids to share their story or a part of their story. Um, but I've found the more concrete, question you ask kids um, in, in relation to their story, typically the better, more thoughtful storytelling that they'll share. Pear, what do you think? Love that. Um, I think, yeah, the, the other thing I was thinking about is the responsibility of like, sometimes, you know, are, am I a teacher? Am I a listener? Or am I a relator? Like, our job takes many faces. And so when you're listening to people, a lot of times I think, you know, here I am sitting on a podcast talking to Dr. Michael Chan. And then my next conversation is going to be with, you know, Lydia (laughs) Svensson, sixth grader. And she's going to say, God's plan for my life is, you know, and she's going to say something profound about how she thinks God. And I'm going to be like, no, Lydia, you ain't got nothing. No, you ain't get a thing. Okay. God doesn't work like that. Cause I just talked to Dr. Michael, Ch- you know, like, so sometimes it's like, well, wait, do, what do we encourage? I think maybe any expression of faith is good up to a certain point. And then you start, okay, now let's ask some deeper questions. Then it's really hard to maintain. If you're hearing some things that you don't agree with, do you let it breathe? And then do you, you know, yeah. do you ask good questions and do you let them wrestle? <laughs> so, you know, the other, like sharing their story at some point, all sharing, no matter which direction is good. And then, you know, go mm. a little bit mm-hmm. now. Okay. Let's talk to them afterward. Let's hone in a little bit, ask questions on these things that you heard. And then, you know, and then you get to learn a lot from them as they share in that way too. It's so true. I mean, I I feel like there's just so much, as an adult, it's so easy for me to be dismissive and to kind of assume that because of my age or whatever, that that, uh, I sort of know what's going on. But my daughter this morning, she who's who's six, uh, came in, I was down in the office and she was like, Daddy, I think I know what God wants me to do, but how do I tell the difference between my voice and God's voice? (laughs) Like literally. So this question was posed to me two days ago. (laughs) I think it was two days ago by some potential pre-seminarians. And I was like, that's a question that you're going to live with for like all of life. (laughs) (laughs) That's so good. Like the entirety of your life. And so I, there's, I feel like there's so much to learn about faith, you know, from just listening to how kids talk about God or how they talk about the world. Let me ask a follow-up to that because a lot of times I think people think your voice or like what, how you're hearing God is tied to your own morality or your own goodness or purity or something. And often, isn't it the opposite? Like, don't we hear the opposing voice or people that live and think differently than us? And we, we see God in that. Uh, that's a question for Dr. Chan, I think. 
that's a question for another podcast. Um, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I just, and, and that, my friends, was a deflection. Um, <laughs> no, but in, I mean, all serious, it's, 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 it's great. I mean, I really appreciate what, uh, um, what you guys have shared with us today. I just wonder as we kind of conclude and slide into home, are there any other kind of final insights you would want to share with the, uh, keeping in mind, we're talking to the whole, you know, congregation here, um, just about what you've learned about storytelling, what you've learned about helping people reflect on the life of faith, maybe that would help somebody in the audience who is just maybe beginning to think about what it means to share their faith publicly. Yeah, I, I would say don't be afraid to share your faith like, like you think a kid or a teen would. Um, I, I think when, when we sometimes share our faith, want to talk about our faith, we want to seem really um, intellectual. We want to seem really enlightened. We want to seem like we've experienced the world and therefore we've had these big aha moments because of who we are and our own way of thinking. But instead, share it, share it like a Sunday schooler. Um, you know, I really love God. Uh, this is why. Um, it doesn't always have to be this big, long tale about how smart you are to this great reveal that you've come to. Um, and that's, that's my, my favorite. My favorite sharing of faith stories are th these are the events in my life that matter to me. These are the people in my life that matter to me. Um, and it's only by God and who God is that I am where I am today. Um, That's such good insight, Josh. I do think that like the the perceived pressures and expectations that we have around storytelling do impact how we talk about our life with God. Um, Perry, any thoughts you want to share? I can't top that, but I... So many events, you know, however you look back at your life and realize that you're standing in a faith circle right now, you know, wherever you're sharing from, your your life had a bunch of moments that led up to this moment where you're looking at people and sharing your story. Uh, your story is genuinely yours, and it's never wrong. So there's really nothing to be afraid about. You you know, you're 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 giving all the wisdom of, of who you are to everyone else that's listening. So it's not really, there's no way to do it incorrectly. And um, as you look back at those events of your life, you know, so much of our faith is shaped by those people around us. And I think that's always, if I think about the powerful parts of my story, it's, it involves other people. So sharing about those other people that have been influencers or big impacts, it's, um, everyone benefits from that. It, it gives a lot of power just to feel like, wow, we are a part of something that involves a lot of really great people. And that's reassuring. You two are uh, such a gift to this church and I am so thankful <laughs> to, to be in conversation with you. We've done this once before. Um, and now we have a chance to do it again around storytelling. So I, I just pray that the Lord continues to bless your work with our youth. And I know that they're also blessed to have uh, uh, two guys that care so much about them and about their work. So again, thank you for your thank time. Thank you, Dr. Chan. Thank you. I was muted, but I said thank you. 
So there you go. (laughs) (laughs) This has been a production of St. Andrew's Lutheran Church in Matamidi, Minnesota. To find out more information about St. Andrew's or about LifeU, go to standrews.org. Thank you for listening.